Whoa, what is that? I don't know. What is that? Is that a... What? It could, could that be a... It's Bible a... It's a Bible bomb! bomb! Hey, this is Landon. This is Philip. And we are your Bible Bomberman. Let's, Let's drop some bombs! Today we are going to talk about self-defense as teased in the last episode. So, oh yeah, that's right. So we're <laughs> defending defense. Defending defense. But this will be interesting because usually when you talk about self-defense, you you talk about it. How will this affect the country and um, is self-defense moral? And then you have a more of a, a secular conversation about it. But this is going to be, what does the Bible have to say about it? So our question is, can Christians defend themselves? Is, is God okay if somebody breaks into your house and you can, like, are you allowed to shoot them in the face? Is, <laughs> is, it, is it okay to do that? Is God going to judge you or are you, <laughs> or are you safe? And a lot of people actually do struggle with this. So it's not, some people don't even ask this question. They just be like, yep, I'm American. I can... America. Well, want, yeah, because but... usually you don't think about it in a biblical context. That's... Yeah, uh, so, but some people yeah. do, and so that's for you guys. Uh, so I'm going to start out. This is going to sound uh, counterintuitive to the argument for self-defense. This almost sounds like argument against it, but context is uh, key in situations. And as a Christian, dying isn't always the worst thing in the world. So the you reason, only get to go to heaven. Yeah, so actually, before I tell you the reason I say that, let's read uh, Philippians 1. Verses 21-23. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. But if I am to live on, on in the flesh, this will mean fruitful labor for me, and I do not know which to choose. But I am hard-pressed from both directions, having the desire to depart and be with Christ, for that is very much better. So, so the reason that I say this and why this is important is because if you are worried about dying, then if you're in a, a life-or-death situation then you might be irrational and you might be like, if dying is the worst thing in your head, you're going to make irrational decisions. So think about your life in context. Dying, what what position does that put you in? As a Christian, you're going to heaven. You're going to see Jesus. Yeah, so <laughs> so. <laughs> as, as Christians, we're not supposed to be afraid of, of dying because if we're afraid of dying, then we're never going to be able to serve God because we're always going to be afraid of dying like imagine if paul was afraid of dying he wouldn't he i wrote this while he was in jail he was uh, making a bunch of disciples and uh, serving god and he, if he was afraid of dying he wouldn't be able to do that so we got to trust in god's promise that you know he rose from the dead and he's going to raise us from from the dead too and uh uh this is on the same note isaiah 57 verses 1 and 2 the righteous man perishes and no man takes it to heart. And devout men are taken away while no one understands. For the righteous man is taken away from evil. He enters into peace. They rest in their beds. Each one who walked in his upright way. You are taken away from evil. And um, you don't usually think about this earth as evil. But <laughs> but it is. It is How compared to where you're going. <laughs> and uh, it's where you're going is a, such a better place. So Yes, it uh, is. You don't need to be afraid. That, that's another thing, you know, as a Christians, we're not supposed to be attached to this world. Now, there's another side to this. Psalms 116, verse 15. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his godly ones. Jesus is excited to bring you home and <laughs> spend time with you. I don't even know if the original audiences would have understood or appreciated this scripture. But this is a huge, a huge deal because God is excited when his uh, godly ones die and come home <laughs> or yeah you know the ones that are saved so uh, basically what we're saying is that death is the victory for the christian you know it's it's the finish line it's the finishing line it's it's the ultimate celebration when you have finally fought the good fought fight fought, the, fought good the good fight fight <laughs> fought the good fight <laughs> yeah so so now we got this text under our boots um and we, we understand that death is not the worst thing in the world so that we don't have to be afraid of death. Let's, let's think about more of just the principle of self-defense in the Bible. 
the most common verse that a pacifist will use, and mostly the only one that you're going to hear, <laughs> is going to be found in Matthew 5, verses 38 through 39. You have heard it said, eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist an evil person. But whoever slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other to him also. So let's let's think about this for a second. <laughs> what is Jesus talking about? He, he Before he says, turn the other cheek, he says, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. So that's a reference to le, uh, uh, old law in the Old Testament. And it's in Leviticus 24 verses 19 through 20. If a man injures his neighbor just as he has done, so it shall be done to him. Fracture for fracture, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. Just as he has injured a man, so it shall be inflicted on him. This is the true definition of justice. This is how God defines justice. Man doesn't get to define justice. Just a side note, this is another reason why Calvinism can't be true. Because (laughs) (laughs) it's not just for God to send people to hell who haven't sinned or haven't been uh, guilty of, of a sinning yet. Anyways, Jesus isn't necessarily, can- he, he's not canceling this when he says, turn the other cheek. You, you know more he's, adding onto yeah, it than he's canceling not, it. Yeah, and we know he's not canceling it. He's not talking about the government justice system. Yeah. Because you can read in Romans 13, chapter 4, it's talking about the government. For it is a minister of God to you for good, but if you do what is evil, be afraid. For it does not bear the sword for nothing, for it is a minister of God, an avenger who brings wrath on the one who practices evil. So yes, the government is allowed to punish yeah. the wicked. The, 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 <laughs> the government justice systems are still supposed to do eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth. That I never changed. What Jesus was talking about, he was talking about the situations with a people, if you have an opportunity to, if you have an opportunity through that situation to, for the gospel, with that person, it would be better to take the abuse than to take your own personal re- revenge. And Romans also talks about that. Yeah. Not, take, not taking yeah. your, your own revenge. <laughs> That's true. A God, a vengeance is the Lord's. Jesus also, the way he said it is also points to this conclusion as well. He said, you've heard it said, which is usually he would say from the prophet Isaiah, or he'll, he'll give you the reference to the Old Testament. But he's saying it in more of a casual context. You've heard it said, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. To people who read this, it's in this casual context. It gives the indication that people are saying to to justify their revenge. They'll be like, well, you wronged me. Eye for eye, tooth for tooth. So now I get to do this. Yeah. And that's that's kind of the indication that I get. Because like I, I read it from Leviticus, but Jesus did not give it in that context. So he's given a, a strong anti-revenge message. And also it says in 1 Peter 3.8, don't repay evil for evil or insult for insult. And that's exactly how I, I interpret and apply the scripture to my life. This is something that you have to pray for wisdom about. Obviously, you're not going to have, you might not have time to, to sit down and pray for wisdom in a situation where someone's slapping you on the cheek. But that's why you need to pray for wisdom before that, so you you know you know how to handle those kinds of things, and those also the Holy Spirit can intercede on your behalf. But again, you got to be wise enough to know if I turn the other cheek, maybe this guy will no don't take this the wrong way. Maybe he'll he'll kiss it instead. Yeah. <laughs> maybe you know maybe he'll he'll wonder like why are you doing this? You know I just I just punched you in the face. You know. Um, the the possibility of you uh, winning someone over to Christ, you know, if you turn the other cheek, you know, if yeah. you wa- if you go the extra mile with them, you know, and we we see this throughout the life of Paul, and when he's being persecuted yeah. a lot, we see him doing this, and it's a pretty amazing some of the responses, or I, I think of the the Philippian jailer, Paul and Silas don't escape, they stand there, and the Philippian jailer is about to kill himself, and they end up converting him, even though he was in charge of them being in jail so yeah also think about the slap in itself a slap once he slaps you the deed is done like resisting him by uh punching him in the face is you adding on which is a revenge he didn't say if someone is wrestling you down to the ground and put you in a chokehold wait till you die 
He's yeah. not saying that. <laughs> don't don't wait till you're choked out to death. The deed has been done with a slap. Like now, the ball uh, is in your court, so to say. So yeah. it's up to you to decide what to do next. Are you gonna take a revenge play and just be like, "You slap me, now I slap you." Yeah, it, it all it all depends on your motives. Because I think some some of the Jews were using this Leviticus passage to say we can yeah we can abuse people back and sometimes do more harm than what they did to us. But that's not, you know uh, Jesus is he's talking about your uh, motives. You know if if we need to defend ourselves, which we'll we'll get into later, we can. But if if it's better for the kingdom of God and for the, the gospel to take the abuse, mm-hmm. then then take it. You know that that's what yeah. Jesus did. Uh, Jesus literally turned the other cheek when they struck him on the face. If he if he slapped the guy back, <laughs> you know that him dying on the cross probably wouldn't have worked. So. No, or calling ten thousand angels, like the song. Yeah. Let's move on to this. This one's kind of cheesy, but it's something that can come up. Uh, they'll say, well, in the Ten Commandments, it says, do not murder. Killing versus murder. Is murder is killing always murder? Because if you believe that killing is always murder, then uh, slapping a mosquito on your wrist is going to be murder. Well, then, you know, <laughs> Joshua and Caleb were murderers. Yeah. David was a murderer. You would be calling God a murderer. God himself is a murderer. Yeah. <laughs> so, clearly, that is not the case. Murder has a, a separate meaning. God, he, he gave this commandment to Moses... And then he wanted them to go into the land of Canaan and kill everybody. So yeah. obviously, it's not the same thing. <laughs> yeah. So killing, the definition, I would just say, is taking the life of someone or something. Like, you can kill a plant. It's just taking the life of something or someone. But unnecessarily killing somebody, a human, would be considered Basically, murder. unjustified. An, an yeah. unjustified killing of a person. Yeah. And it's a human. Because when you... Yeah. When you just willy-nilly are killing the cockroaches in your... Well, I guess that's for a purpose. But if you just yeah. killed a random cockroach that you saw outside, <laughs> I know, that I, wouldn't be considered murder. I, I know I like to joke about this sometimes, but I, I really don't think people should just unnecessarily kill animals either. <laughs> no, it's not <laughs> right. kill them for food. I kill, agree with Kill you. bugs to get them out of your house. Yeah. but You still wouldn't consider that murder, Don't just go though. slaughter <laughs> lions and tigers no. and bears for no reason. <laughs> and actually, the... The Bible does have things about an- animal abuse too. So if because if you do do that, then yeah. you know, you're probably gonna want to kill people too. Yeah, we're so. supposed to be good stewards of the earth. So yeah. yeah, that it's it's evil to do that, but you still wouldn't qualify that as murder. You know, there's a reason why they didn't kill Rahab when they went to Jericho. You know, she was per- a person who had repented and had faith. You know, God God wasn't yeah. gonna do that when God was gonna strike down Sodom and Gomorrah. He was gonna spare the city for. If there were five righteous people there, there were only one. Yeah. A perfect example of a murder in the Bible, besides Jesus, would be Uriah the Hittite. <laughs> you know, David <laughs> killed true. David killed a lot of people, but him, that was murder. You know, that, that that's the only recorded a murder that he he did in his life because it was completely completely unjustified. He was he was an innocent guy. So yeah, there is a difference. Also, let's read in Ecclesiastes verses one, 3, verses 1 through 3. There is an appointed time for everything, and there is a time for every event under heaven, a time to give birth and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build up. Basically, I was just, I read that whole it's thing that, to that say a time song. to kill. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, a time to kill. So, a time to give birth. <laughs> yeah. And a time to die. Yeah, so, there uh, is a time to kill. And uh, so some people are thinking, well, that's Old Testament. Well, that's not that. That's not how the that's not how the Bible works. You don't just go back and listen to our is the Old Testament canceled podcast. Yeah, yeah don't participate in cancel culture. <laughs> Except for if you're me, I'm just kidding. But uh, but yeah, time to kill. That's the whole reason I read that. But uh, just proving the point that uh, God is not against killing because killing is not evil in and of itself it has to be unjustified killing to be counted as murder me and me and hannah watched a movie once called the big the red one it was a world war ii movie and it had a mark hamill luke skywalker and he he was um he didn't want to pull the trigger on anybody he was like after the, this battle he was kind of sad and the a general or captain came up to him and he was like what's wrong and he was like I don't want to kill any. No, he, he said, I don't want to murder. No, he said, I can't murder anybody. And the other guy said, we're not a murderer. We're killing. And he was like, 
It's the same thing. Then he said, no, you don't murder an animal. You kill it. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> Basically calling the Nazis animals, but you know what? <laughs> well, in, in a sense, they are. It depends on what you mean by then animal, I also think I of, of a Hacksaw Ridge. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the guy was like, he, he, he was taking it to, this means you can't kill. You know, you, you, can't, mm. you can't kill anybody. But He was um, still a hero. But, he was a hero, and but, that, that, okay, that's a good movie. I was going to say that um, in a case like that where it goes against your conscience, I would still listen to your conscience because yes. it's in a war situation. Definitely listen to your conscience. Don't yeah. don't sign up for war. I mean, I guess he could have been drafted, but don't. You know. Yeah, but he was going with what what was in you know, in his conscience. You, 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 you do need to listen it. to your conscience. It, it, it would be better to die than for you to shoot someone if it bothers your conscience. Anyways... Back to this. Here's a good rule of thumb. I said uh, this is mostly about the Bible and it is. But when you talk about self-defense in Oklahoma and in most states and you don't want to get into legal trouble, do not shoot somebody when they're trying to take something from you, like an object. And it's it, lethal force is supposed to be only when you're in danger of death or great bodily harm. So that's a good rule of thumb. And imminent threat of death and bodily harm mean well the word imminent means about to happen like if you're if someone gets ran over the moment before the car hits them and is like 10 feet away from them speeding towards that would be imminent they're imminently gonna get hit by the car so it's like about to happen so you're trying to avoid dying (laughs) that's the only appropriate time is when you have an imminent threat of death or great bodily harm Let's read Matthew 5, verses 40 through 41. If anyone wants to use, I mean, sue you and take your shirt, let him have your coat also. Whoever forces you to go one mile, go with him too. These aren't worth, like, killing somebody over for some stuff. Yeah. And um, so, yes, this in this case, um, and this is actually right after he's talking about the slap. Yes, this is an appropriate time to be (laughs) pacifist, quote-unquote. Because if you're killing people over stuff, then you, you've got some other things to work on. Uh, <laughs> it's not the appropriate use of self-defense. And that think about the word self-defense. Self is... Defense. <laughs> yeah, self. Is your coat yourself? It's not. <laughs> you are not a coat. Yep, there's no coats in heaven. Anyway, so... Now you have something about the death penalty here. Ooh. Yeah, so there's actually a lot of uh, about death penalty crimes now. that um, can cause you to receive the death penalty in the, in the old law. So Exodus 21, verse 12, He who strikes a man so that he dies shall surely be put to death. And then the verse right after it, he says, But if he did not lie in wait for him, but God let him fall into his hand, then I will appoint you a place to which he may flee. So this is basically saying, if you didn't kill him on purpose, then you can flee to like a sanctuary city so that a family member who wants revenge on you, he can't, he's not allowed to legally to See, um, come kill you. God did everything so perfectly in this old law. And I really do think like if every country would just adopt this as their <laughs> constitution, everything would work out just fine. But, I mean, God has taken care of those who are accused unjustly or those who killed accidentally or even in self-defense god is he's he's being so just like he's he's just he's he's laying out perfectly what a justice is and he's not doing anything unfair in the old testament and you know not just the old testament but they're kind of timeless principles about all all that so yeah and um a lot of these principles are applied today in uh in america as well that's why i keep referencing uh, our laws here and i'd realized that not every state not even every, every country and the law is always t- changing too it's not always the same but this makes sense like um of course somebody's gonna want to kill you if they think that if they see you killed their family member they're gonna want revenge <laughs> want a blood revenge <laughs> but you're if you are like i didn't mean to kill him or what if it's a self-defense case like we're talking about i just was protecting myself you have a place to go the next chapter, Exodus 22, verses 1 and 2. Actually, let's just read verse 2, because the verse 1 doesn't really apply. But it says, If the thief is caught while breaking in and is struck so that he dies, there will be no, no blood guiltiness on his account. So 
you're gonna die if you if you kill somebody if you murder them but you get no penalty if you strike someone and they die and it's a thief at night and also think about the way it's worded here he's not saying if you kill the thief um you won't be punished he's saying struck so that he dies that sounds like you struck him to de like defending your home but he he died later because of that not non-purpose like execution killing of a thief <laughs> that's that's what i think it's it, the meaning of the text is in, in the next verse it says if the sun is written on arisen on him that there will be blood guiltiness on his account so that makes me think like okay so it's okay you won't be punished if it's in night but you can be if it's in the day and that again thinking struck so that he dies at night you're gonna have way less information you're gonna be more willy-nilly with your defense and especially with the weapons at the time would have been uh, likely a sword for self-defense but it makes me think like okay the situation has to be a little bit more i guess dangerous for you i guess i don't know i can't think of the right word but he's not saying if a thief comes in you can kill him basically is yeah. the point you can it's not to kill it's not a license to kill it's a license to defend your home yeah so it is mentioned several times in the bible of defending your home mm -hmm. so and that's Especially how it, if you got a wife and kids yeah because <laughs> most of the people are gonna have people that they need to protect i got something interesting here and i'd not i didn't even think about this until you recently re you really misspelled esther i did yeah oh well there's an h in there yeah it makes it look like <laughs> esther but it's, yeah, it's est her but okay so there is a lot in esther that allows the jews to defend themselves so here's a quick summary of the story esther was a young jewish lady and she found favor of the king in persia she became the queen and she risked her life to save the jewish people so the, there was a court and haman was a sneaky bad man and he persuaded the king to authorize the killing of the jews in the empire the persian empire but once the king realized that his wife would be in trouble because of it his wife was a jew and her people would be killed because of it realized his mistake he's like what can i do because the laws in um, persia he, he couldn't change that law it was already he put his stamp on it there was nothing he could do so what did they come up with they made a new law on top of it because they couldn't take it back so here's the new law esther 8 11. in them the king granted the jews who were in each and every city the right to assemble and defend their lives to destroy to kill and to annihilate the entire army of any people who or province which might attack them including children and women and to plunder their spoil he gave them the right like a second amendment mm -hmm. <laughs> he now they have the right to defend themselves and this is actually a really cool story because he even gave them the right to plunder the spoil of the people attacking them and the Jews had opportunities to do so, but they didn't. You see in chapter 9 and verses 10, 15, and 16, they didn't plunder the spoils of their enemies, even though they had the chance. And this shows they were doing it for self-defense reasons. They didn't even want the money, the stuff. They just wanted to protect their lives. And, and they had to because God needed the Jews yeah. to live so that because this is where uh, Jesus would come into the world through israel so yeah and it was it was extremely important imagine this could have been the end like if god wasn't behind the jews this would have been the end of their entire nation yep. right here yeah so that's pretty crazy and it shows a uh, um, second amendment in the persian empire <laughs> whole, whole history of our the world and you, you and i's uh, salvation rested on whether esther was going to be courageous or not <laughs> yeah and yeah that, that that's a great story and a great and a very good example of why self-defense is is a good thing you know if, if you have the, if you do it with the right motives the right yeah. purpose we just talked about uh the thief in the house and um exodus yeah in exodus jesus also says something sort of similar he's not he's talking about a different topic he's not talking about the law he's talking about the the coming of the lord is going to be at any moment so um this one uh i would take with 
sort of a grain of salt, but it is along the same lines. It's in Matthew chapter 24, verse 43. But be sure of this, that if the head of the house had known at what time of the night the thief was coming, he would have been on the alert and would not have allowed his house to be broken into. So even though it's not really the point, like uh, Jesus isn't giving a self-defense a message here, why would still? Yeah. Why would he say this? Yeah. If, if it, it wasn't expected that you would protect your house. Yeah. Why Jesus wouldn't say something like that because he's using positive defense in a positive light. Yeah. He's not saying something like uh, a, a reference to evildoers in in that sense. This is a positive thing that he's showing. So. How would you prepare for a thief in the night? You could say, well, stay awake. And that's that's true. You could stay awake. Because a lot <laughs> of thieves, if they see that you're awake at night, um, that can be enough to deter them. But not all of them. So you would be kind of stupid to know when a thief is coming and just not do any, like not have a weapon with you. Because what if the thief isn't scared off? You're just going to be like, I know when you're coming, but then he comes in just bops you on the head with his his staff or sword and <laughs> and does whatever he wants to your family and your house and takes all your stuff like you you need prepare like hopefully you don't have to resort to self-defense hopefully you can just scare him off and you and most of the time that would work because most thieves are cowards but not all of them so be prepared yep jesus has this interesting conversation in uh, luke and some people don't like this argument, but I think it's valid. Yeah. I, I mean. <laughs> and actually, a lot of people don't understand the whole context of this because they just hear the get a sword and be like, oh, see, Jesus told his disciples to get a sword. And all of that's true. Get a sword. But there is, this story is actually a lot more interesting than um, just this section of it. Let's read uh, Luke 22, verses 35 and 36. And he said to them, when I sent you out, Without money, belt, and bag, and sandals, you did not lack anything, did you? They said, no, nothing. And he said to them, but now, whoever has a money belt is to take it along. Likewise, also a bag, and whoever has no sword is to sell his coat and buy one. Whoa! Jesus just told them to get swords. What are swords for? Are they for doing your laundry? Are they for cooking? Maybe chopping down a tree. <laughs> <laughs> you, you would use an axe for that. <laughs> yeah. No, these are those are weapons. The they are swords. The purpose is to kill. Same, same with a modern a modern version would be a gun. Yeah, <laughs> its purpose is to kill. But so why would Jesus tell them to get a sword? Maybe he meant the sword of the spirit. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, um, that is interesting conversation. Some people use that as an argument. They're like, oh, he's talking about a Bible. That um, has absolutely nothing to do with the context. Whatsoever. No, it doesn't. <laughs> but also, the Greek words are, are different than normal. Usually when the, the word of God is referenced as a sword, he's talking about um, a battle sword, which is a different word than this word is more like a dagger, like a, a smaller sword, the type of sword that you can carry along while you travel. Yeah. So you're and, gonna sell your coat and uh, yeah. buy a Bible? <laughs> yeah, no, it's, the Bible hadn't even been written. Bible, yeah, I was gonna say books weren't even a thing. Very well, if they were, they were super rare. They mostly had scrolls back yeah, then. Yeah, yeah, they had they had the scrolls, and they were expensive. The the, the Old Testament yeah. scrolls were expensive, but that's not. That's <laughs> not what he was about. talking. And about, they didn't, yeah. you know, they had there's a whole tangent we can go on. Yeah, but, but <laughs> here's. Here's why the context makes this story even more interesting than just Jesus telling them to get swords, which is interesting in, in and of itself. But there is reasons for this. And uh, let's read Luke 22, verses 49 and 50. When those who are around him... Oh, this is in Gethsemane, the Garden of Gethsemane, by the way. Uh, when those who are around him saw what was going to happen, they said, Lord, shall we strike with the sword? And one of them struck the slave of the high priest and cut off his right ear. This Ouch. Was, yeah. <laughs> this was Peter we know from other versions of the gospel. So All John decided to name use names. <laughs> yeah. There is uh, no indication in any of the four gospels that they were Peter was under attack himself. He even said, he even asked Jesus, "Lord, shall we strike with the sword?" And obviously Jesus didn't say anything about go do it. <laughs> mm -hmm. He just did it anyways. He he was, um, Peter was a character for sure. 
But uh, this was very, very soon after Jesus said to get a sword. So would Jesus tell Peter to get a sword? Well, the disciples have swords just so he made sure Peter would have a sword to strike this guy's ear off. No, because Jesus rebuked him for it. Pe- yeah. He says, Peter, why did you do this? Stop that right now. <laughs> well, obviously, Peter must have had some skill. <laughs> he was able to chop the guy's ear off. I mean, how do you do that? <laughs> well, and, and the chosen, uh, Peter was a fighter. The chosen is fake. The chosen is real footage. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, but... Pretty good quality back then. <laughs> so, do you... Jesus, do you think Jesus set Peter up? No, no, that's that's not what that's not in Jesus's character at all. It it that wasn't the right time to use the sword. He wasn't really no. using it for. I mean, Jesus told him a thousand times, or I guess three three times that he was gonna have to go die and then raise from the dead. And Peter was interrupting the plan by doing that, so he didn't have the gospel in mind when he put out his sword. No. That was a time to turn the other cheat. Which is kind of an uh, indication to me that Peter still at this time did not understand why Jesus was there. Because he was still thinking, wow, I got I to, gotta, Jesus is supposed to be king of the world. Like what? It, well, uh, Peter thinks that uh, Jesus is supposed to be a military leader. Yeah. But. And he's like, I'm, I got to. So when Jesus leader. says, let's go get swords, they're probably thinking, oh, right, we're finally going to go march on. Yeah. Yeah, that's March probably what was in their head. <laughs> Let, let's read Matthew chapter 26, uh, verse 52. And this is, again, in the Garden of Gethsemane, just Matthew's version. This is Jesus' rebuke. Then Jesus said to him, Put your sword back into its place, for all those who take up the sword, sword shall perish, perish by the sword. So this is um, probably um, the second most behind... Not defending yourself? Yeah, <laughs> behind uh, the slap. This is probably the second most common verse you'll hear. So, what did Jesus mean by uh, uh, you'll perish if you take up the sword and you'll perish by the sword? He's not talking about literal sword because, again, that would mean he told his disciples to sin because he told them to take up swords, to yeah. have swords. He's talking about what the sword represents, and the sword represents violence. Violent people are going to receive a lot of violence themselves. <laughs> so yeah, exactly. Living a violent lifestyle is, is what he's rebuking, and it was what Peter That's did. That's why Jesus tells us, to, if possible, to have a peace with all men. I mean, we don't see any examples of Christians using violence in the book of Acts like whatsoever. It's just not there. No. I don't see Paul beating people up. You don't see Peter <laughs> slapping people. And, you know, yeah. this is what makes Christianity so different than uh, Islam yeah. because think about how violent they are. Well, a lot of them are perishing by that same violence because they're yeah. violent. But and, and also you could make a special concession for Christianity in self-defense. When we're being persecuted for Jesus' name, that's not a time for self-defense. We it's an honor to be persecuted yeah. in Jesus's name. Yeah. That's not what this is referring to. <laughs> uh, violence is, he's talking about a violent lifestyle. Let's read for some more context in this night, Luke 52 and 53. You mean 22, 52 and 53? Yeah, chapter 22, verses 52 and 53. Then Jesus said to the chief priests and the officers of the temple and elders who had come against him, have you come out with swords and clubs as you would against a robber? While I was with you daily in the temple, you did not lay hands on me, but this hour and the power of darkness are yours. So they came at night armed and in secret because they didn't do it while he was in front of them at the temple in public. <laughs> they came because they were scared of, uh, of the people being seen because they knew what they were doing was wrong. That's scary. I get the impression that there were a lot of people there with weapons, and uh, it was a scary situation. So this this is a clue to why Jesus said, make sure you have s- some swords. There are multiple reasons given. Most, most people actually believe something different than me. They believe that Jesus was getting them ready for their dangerous travels um, after Jesus died, because they're going to be um, evangelists all around uh, I mean, the country, the about, world. <laughs> traveling in, in that time was yeah. dangerous. It was talking about if, if a robber comes out and tries 
to steal, they could use that as an opportunity for the, the gospel, but if they're just trying to yeah. kill them, you know, uh, Peter knows, or Paul knows, I gotta go over here and preach, you know, I don't have time for this. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> there's but no, there, There's no examples of any of that happening, but... yeah. But and just draw that, that and conclusion, I, that's what the sword was yeah, for. Yeah, and a lot of people think that's why Jesus said to get swords. And I don't disagree. I mean, it, the, that could be true. But it could. But this particular moment where a bunch of dangerous people around them who definitely mean harm with weapons, and if there's a criminal who sees you, like, for example, open carry, they're, uh, like, they can see your gun. They're most likely not going to mess with... They're not going to even mess with the store that you're in because they know there's going to be resistance. They could lose their life. And many people do, especially people who conceal carry. The robbers don't even know mm-hmm. <laughs> that a lot of robbers lose their lives because of that because they don't want to deal with any of that. They, they're cowards. Like I said earlier, most of them are cowards. But Jesus said have swords. So they, the people who came to Jesus in the garden saw the swords and even though they had the numbers that was enough for them not to take all the apostles all the 12 and the reason here's another reason i think that let's read a a really interesting passage in mark 14 verses 51 and 52 a young man was following him wearing nothing but linen sheet over his naked body and they seized him but he pulled free of the linen sheet and escaped naked now (laughs) This is really funny. And a lot of scholars think this was Mark himself because Mark is the only one who records this instance. But they wanted the disciples. They wanted to take them. Why would they grab Mark? Why would they try and, or presumably Mark, allegedly Mark, why would they grab him and try and take him with him? If the disciples did not have the swords, would would they have been taken too? I don't, I mean, we don't know this for certain. Just the fact that you have the sword. Yeah. You know, it makes they, a huge difference. Yeah. <laughs> and the way that Peter was so afraid that he would strike, like, I mean, it obviously was an intimidating scenario. And the disciples fled, it says. The disciples left Jesus, all of them. And even Peter did not stay with him. They said he followed at a distance. So Peter was afraid of them and the disciples scattered. And they grab Mark. So this is, gives me a big impression. Like, these guys were afraid. Like, they did not want to be taken with Jesus. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if the swords were a part of this or not. But in my opinion, and take it as an opinion, I think they might have been just enough to tip the scale. Like, let's not take them. Let's not have a bloodbath here. Let's go. Let's talk about Peter for a second. Peter again? Yeah, let's talk about Peter again. So remember Peter, the famous denial of Jesus, he denied him three times because the people who were around, once uh, they saw Peter, they're like, hey, weren't you with Jesus? Weren't you one of those people? And he's like, no, no, no. (laughs) And (laughs) happened three different times. And Peter was scared to say that he was with Jesus. And that implies that there would be consequences for him if he was found to be with Jesus. And... He was terrified. So in in hindsight, and he was wrong to do it. He should have said, I, I was with Jesus. And he, in all likeliness, he could have been crucified with Jesus that day. It could have, it likely would have happened. Um, but we know Peter was deathly afraid of being with Jesus. So let's think about the reason why Jesus rebuked Peter for striking that dude. And we kind of already uh, talked about it, but Jesus went willingly he did not resist at all the people taking because jesus knew what he was what was happening I remember him crying in the garden while he prayed he he wanted the cup to be taken from him but but when the time came when jesus judas came and gave him the kiss the the betrayer he knew what was happening and so he went willingly peter did not understand he's like what my leader's being taken by these dudes to who who do who knows what to him. So Peter just, he's like, should I strike him with the sword? And then he did it anyway, before Jesus even answered. He thought they were going he to was, war. Yeah, and um, Jesus immediately was like, no, stop it, Peter. Because he didn't want a war. It, imagine the disciples fighting against all those people with clubs and swords, like, they could have all been killed if if they did. So it's a good thing that that they had the swords to resist at first, and then um, like not resist. They, only Peter was the one who attacked. But 
the people who took Jesus did not attack them. It doesn't say that. So the swords at least put the first wave of defense and then discouraged the people from taking them with Jesus. So Peter was in the cloud and he was acting in a violent uh, in a in a violent way when he wasn't in danger and uh, he didn't understand what Jesus's mission was. Jesus wanted them to stay alive, so he didn't say, "Yeah, Peter, do it, do it because you're doing it for a good cause." But Peter had an important role. He he wasn't supposed to die in a in a in a violent battle against the uh, group taking Jesus. Let's let's take a look at a different story here, and this is in Nehemiah chapter four, verse uh, fourteen. When I saw their fear, I rose and spoke to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people. Do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome, and your f- and fight for your brothers and sons, and your daughters, your wives, and your houses. So this is taken from when the Israelites were exiled to Babylon, but a bunch of groups were allowed to return to rebuild Jerusalem. There was a bunch of people around that did not want Jerusalem to be rebuilt and hated the Jews' guts. So Nehemiah came and he, he told them, hold up your sword in one hand while you work with the other hand. And, uh, the bil- and those were for the builders who were building the wall. And the builders inside of the city who were building, I'm guessing, the homes, they were allowed to work with two hands, but they had to have a sword girded to their loins. And so they were ready for battle at all times. And it paid off. It actually worked very well for them because they were always ready for any incoming enemy. So, but that's a unique context. That, that's a crazy situation that we can't relate to at all. But we can relate to what they were protecting. Remember the verse that I just read that, that I said to Protect keep in your, your heads? your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your houses. Yeah. Which is actually a lot more important than just self-defense. You know, you, you can turn your own cheat, but should you turn your wife's cheat too? That uh, reminds me of uh, one of the reasons why Paul says it's better for um, you to be alone when he's talking about uh, like evangelist people. Uh, doing mission work. better to not be married yeah better to, yeah because if you don't have a family to protect you are going to be less vulnerable to things like uh, persecution like you don't you're not thinking about um what is my wife going to do if i if i'm gone what are my kids going to do yeah it's you 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 can take whatever beating they've got for you and uh proclaim jesus's name and without uh, i wouldn't say without a care in the world but uh, but you know, you know what I'm trying to say. Like, um, you're not going to leave behind you're not, a wife and yeah, kids. Yeah, you're not you know? leaving anybody behind who depends on you in that way. But yeah, that's not what we're talking about here. But that, it's the same sort of deal. Like, your family is for you to protect. We can relate. And it mentioned houses again. Like, it is biblical to defend your home. Let's go back to the very first passage that we read at the beginning, and this will be the last passage we read today. Talking about uh, Philippians verses, we'll read a slight bit further this time. Let's do 22 through um, 25. But if I am to live on in the flesh, will this mean fruitful labor for me? This will mean (laughs) fruitful (laughs) labor for me. And I do not know which to choose, but I am hard-pressed from both directions, having the desire to depart and be with Christ, for that is very much better. Yet to remain in the flesh is more necessary for your sake. Convinced convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith. So Christians, as much as it as we would love to and as much as it would be great if we were dead, if we're alive, <laughs> if we're alive, we have purpose. God has a reason for us There's to be alive. Fruitful labor. And that's encouraging because we know if that we are still alive, that means that we have something to do <laughs> work to do you know that, yeah. that we that we still have a purpose it's also encouraging to know that if we die that means we don't have purpose anymore that you know our our that yeah. god has has used us yeah your race has been run and it also lets us know that god's not gonna let us die until our work is done until yeah. we until what our, our purpose is has uh, has been completed so that's always encouraging yeah and it's needful for us to be al- alive as a as a good um thing to keep in our heads um why we're needful to be alive but 
also so that we don't just be like, well, it's great to be in heaven, so I'm going to do a bunch of dangerous missionary work without thinking about the people I'm leaving behind. Obviously, being persecuted to death <laughs> for your faith is something to be applauded in some ways. But if you're doing it for that purpose, that's not good. You need to think about, and sometimes, who am I going to leave behind? What else can I accomplish? Sometimes that might be God's purpose for you is is to suffer and die. I mean, I, that that was his purpose for yeah, Stephen. Yeah, he did it. Well, yeah, uh, and Stephen impacted a lot of people, I'm sure. And many of the Christians who got eaten by lions, that was God's uh, purpose for them. And, you know, it's their testimony that gives us such great faith because we know that they were super convicted and, and convinced that Christianity uh, was true and that they wouldn't have suffered that. So they, they didn't suffer for nothing, you know. They they suffered for us so that, that yeah. we can look at them and be like, wow, that's uh, that's amazing and, and give us uh, confidence and, and more faith. Yeah, you got to think about, um, is this my purpose? Is How needful am I? Like Paul understood... Um, at this moment, he did eventually go on and uh, die a horrible death. But yeah, at this time, he knew that he had a purpose and the people that weren't ready for him to not be a part of their lives and a part of their uh, progress and joy and faith, as it says. Okay, it looks like you got all these uh, scenarios Let's, to go through. Yeah, um, I got a done. few. Yeah, this is the last thing I want to do. This is like an exercise. And these scenarios were random ones I pulled up. But every self-defense situation is going to have so many different... It's going to um, be different each time. Yeah, so many nuances. And and it's up to you to figure out yeah, what to do. Like, we're not telling you what to do. We're just... <laughs> yeah, and we're just thinking through it. Thinking through it biblically. Also, another thing I want to mention before we finish is um, self-defense. We always just think of uh, physical self-defense. But putting like a motion-detecting floodlight in front of your house is self-defense. So is um, putting a camera up on your, a dash cam. You're defending yourself from legal trouble. Mm -hmm. uh, so self-defense is not always like that. And this also applies to fists. We always think of guns, but you're, more people die from fists and feet than guns. <laughs> so think about this. If you're thinking this time, like, I still don't know about guns. Well, what, what about your hands? Like that woman in the subway in New York we've mentioned in a previous episode who was getting raped. Nobody did anything. No excuse. Like, yeah, they, people had their hands. Even if they didn't have a gun, they should have done something about it. Like, we're, like is it, is it, what are you thinking? The, is it the loving Christian thing to do to let that girl get raped? No, it's not going to... You're not going to... You can't that's go over be, there. That's going to be good for and, the, the gospel, right? Yeah, <laughs> like if you're a complete pacifist, where where's your love? Like... Um, you can't read a Bible verse while he's raping a girl. Like, that's not going to change his mind. That's you not, have to forgive. We have to be forgiving. You have to <laughs> stop the situation, and then that stuff can come later. But you got to stop it. Like, okay. But anyways, this applies to all versions of self-defense. I just wanted to say that. But anyway, scenario one. During an assembly at your local congregation, somebody you don't recognize came in and started mass shooting, and you can stop it, should you? I mean, right. I'm talking about, like, with a gun. So this it. guy has already made his choice. So I say do yeah. it because, do it. again, yeah. what is the loving thing to do? Is it loving to let all these people die? Or is it uh, either motive? we, we got to turn the other cheek so maybe this guy will become a Christian. Well, no, it's too late for that. He's, he's made his choice, and yeah. it's better to save all those lives and help your church yeah. be the light that they're supposed to be than have one guy come in and kill. Now, it's... It, Different as it, it would be different if it was the Taliban that I walked in. <laughs> you can try and defend yourself, but you know if they have like fifteen people with machine guns, you know you're probably all gonna die. But <laughs> I hope that doesn't. But happen. if it's like you know just a guy trying but, to do a mass shooting, you, you should yeah, stop it. Protecting your uh, the, protecting the members of the church is important because we mentioned this already. But needful to stay alive, people in the world need our help, and a, and a whole congregation of people can do a lot. So losing that would be a huge loss for the church. But yeah, it's it's obvious. That guy made his choice, like you said. He, People know what's going to happen when they do that. They never, they almost never, I should say, live through that. The police eventually would kill him. Either either the police shoot them or, or they kill themselves. Yeah, so. most of the time probably kill themselves. But then the police shoot him. Or if they somehow survive, which happens rarely, they'll go to death row. So they're going to die 
regardless. Yeah. So would you rather them die that way or save a bunch of lives in the process? Yeah, that one's easy. That was probably the easiest one. So scenario two, a man from an aggressive foreign religion has a knife at your throat and tells you to deny Jesus as your God and Savior. And you think there's a chance you could quickly maneuver around and knock the knife out of his hand. But you're not too sure. He might cut your throat first. Should you even try? If this were me, I, I would just take the death. <laughs> that's that's kind of what I was thinking too. Um, this guy is probably highly skilled, probably way more skilled than me, and could probably take me out if I try and grab a knife. So <laughs> I'd probably just be like, hey, this is a great opportunity to say, Jesus is Lord, and go out in a blaze of glory. Cause, that's, you know. that's what I was thinking too. I mean... It, think about this scenario like you could just try to knock the knife out of sand without saying anything but then he'll still end up probably killing you and then you're gonna stand before god yeah right after that right, right but, after that yeah think about what that would look like to other people though they would just see you deny god it would and be then better you just to die leave, it would be better to yeah. leave a legacy of you know <laughs> I, I died for christ instead of trying to fight my way out but yeah but like you never know who's watching who might who might that might impact later too. And also persecution, dying from persecution for Jesus what is an amazing accomplishment, I think. Yeah. Uh scenario 3. The government in your country has ordered all the guns to be confiscated. Should you give up your guns or hide them or shoot the people trying to come take them? All right. So if the government comes with guns, if say if they just make a law that says you can't have guns, I'd probably hide him. But if they come and surround our house and say, give up your guns, I, I would just give it to them. Yeah. I think that's a that, that that's the kind of thing, you know, if you if someone takes your shirt, give them your, what do you say? That's true. Give them your well. no, cloak or something. Uh, <laughs> you know, yeah. because, first of all, you, you can't win. I think since in America we have the Second Amendment, it's great to exercise it and stuff. But if they take it away, I mean, it's the it's the government. I and the government does have authority over us, even as Christians, um, unless it unless it impacts our um, relationship with Jesus in any way, we are still ordered to obey the government. Yeah, so, I think I think it would do a hindrance to the gospel if we uh, didn't. Yeah. Do that. Now the government would probably kill all of us anyway because we can't defend ourselves. But you never know because God's working, and we'll just have to see how God works through all that. And plus, it's. What are you accomplishing, honestly? If you shoot a few cops that come, they're going to come with more cops next time. I mean, <laughs> the, the Bible says <laughs> those who try and preserve their lives will lose it. And I think yeah. that's just someone just trying to preserve their life. It's what it seems like. Or and not even not, their life, trying to preserve just one, uh, one more second. Uh, stuff. <laughs> stuff, kind of. Because you, you can still defend yourself without a gun. Think about it. But yeah. guns are just the most effective way, but you can still defend yourself without it. Uh, let's do another scenario. Scenario four. You caught somebody at night sneaking around your house, and as soon as you confront him, he runs away, but in his hands is your wife's jewelry, jewelry box containing thousands of dollars worth of jewelry. Should you shoot him down and avoid losing your stuff? Here's what you do. Don't buy a bunch of expensive jewelry <laughs> for your wife. <laughs> wow. What a, wow. Okay, let's say you, you do have all that stuff. I'm not trying to uh, judge you or anything if you do. But if you do... Uh, first of all, does he have a gun on him? That's true. Does he point it at you? But but <laughs> if he's running away, he's probably not a danger to you. I don't know. That uh, depends on what and what his on what his next reaction is. <laughs> if if that were me, I would not really care about the losing wealth as much as I cared about saving. You know, yeah, making my sure life your family's or all saving right. My family. Yeah. I I would not do, shoot him at all. I would, if anything, I would shoot him with my phone so I could get so I could give it to the police. I would. Yeah, <laughs> I would probably have my give gun my out and video. point it at him. Yeah. Have his tell him to put his hands up in the air and call the cops. Yeah. I always but. tell my wife if um, we get in a home invasion situation, it would be nice if she had her phone ready to call the police or yeah. take a video, that, and I'll what, have the gun. I don't think you should just shoot someone just to shoot them, even though I mean, it might be legal. You should just tell them, put your hands up in the air, you know, call the yeah. cops while you have a gun in one hand 
and wait till the cops get there. Yeah. But if he starts to run away, let him go. Risking killing somebody. Is now, not if you it. see him pull his hands down to his pocket area, then Whoa, I would yeah. I would shoot him because people can actually move really fast. I wouldn't I, I wouldn't wait for him. I wouldn't wait to see a gun. I would. You I, know, I, I that, wouldn't take that you know, chance. It reminds me. Uh, it bothers me so much in movies when. Um, Somebody has a gun like out, like a handgun out, and the robber is just talking to him while slowly walking towards him. And then the guy with the gun just stands there and says, don't move any closer, but doesn't do anything. And then right when the robber is right in their face, the robber just quickly snatches the gun, points it right back at him. <laughs> like, no, I would tell them, if you move one step closer, I'm going to shoot your leg or something. Like, I'm not going to play like that. I saw this <laughs> video on a Facebook that was pretty awesome. This a girl was just... Or this a lady was just uh, walking somewhere by herself, and some guy walks does me. It doesn't even have a gun, but he's like acting all creepy and trying to like yeah, like yeah, yeah, I can tell by the way he's uh, he's uh, moving. He he's gonna try and uh, kidnap her and and attack her, but she's kind of stumbling to get her gun out. But she uh, finally does, and she just shoots him. Like uh, there's no conversation or dialogue or anything. She just shoots him I, and falls down. I was like, yeah. you know what? You know, sometimes you might need to yeah. do that. If there's time for verbal contact um, and you have the space between you two, get your gun pointed at him and then make verbal contact. But if a guy's acting like so, an animal, you know. Sometimes there's not time for that. So if you're busy talking, he's going to That guy was probably going to sell her into a human trafficking. But, yeah. Okay. And then a kidnapper snuck into your house at night and you catch him running to his car with a knife at your child's throat. You have a clear shot take the kidnapper down or not that's really hard because what if you miss yeah it, it is hard because like in like hostage situ- situations where they have like a knife to someone's throat and they say well if you you put down your gun because if you shoot then i'm gonna slice his throat and then you're like well i don't know what to do because i feel like maybe i could hit him but what if i just hit the person i'm trying to protect so mm-hmm. it's like a it's a tough situation <laughs> really but if if you're confident, I'd say take the shot. Yeah, because think about this. The person who's doing that might just kill him anyway. Like, again, a lot of times, this, they made their again, it's in the movies, but it bothers me. When everybody puts down their weapons, and then the, the bad guy just kills them all after that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and this is much more serious than a movie, because it's real. Yeah. No, you have the right to protect your family. Is it the loving thing to do to watch your wife get raped and your children get slaughtered? Just because you're trying to t- to turn the other cheat. Yeah. No, it, it's not. You know, it, that actually does a worse thing for the the gospel and for the kingdom because now it, it makes you look like a a coward, which you are. Yeah. Then it would be to do do the compassionate thing and save your family. You know who you've promised to protect. So it's, and, it's um, not a compassionate thing to let your family get also, killed. And we're talking about like with the slap, turn the other cheek. That's not, that's uh, compared with someone coming in and raping your family and doing whatever they want to your side. This is protection. Protection versus revenge. Those are different things, different concepts. Now, it could be considered revenge if somebody comes in, does all that, you do nothing, and then you think, wow, I'm so mad that he did that. Now I'm going to go to his house and do the same thing to him. That would be revenge because the, um, the deed has already been done. The, it's been accomplished, and you're doing that out of spite, out yeah, of anger, or out of revenge. I've heard news stories of, um, I think a guy raped a girl, and the dad went and uh, killed him or did something, and now the dad's in jail. Like, wh- why do you do that? Because, I mean, now it's, you can't be there for your daughter because you're in jail. It's one thing to do it while the act is happening. but yeah, to, it's protection. To, uh, to go hunt him down after the deed is done. It's like, don't, don't yeah. do that. Yeah. That's that, that's a waste of time, you know. Because the deed has been done, and now just be there for your family, and try and help them. But you can't do that if if uh, if you're in jail. <laughs> yeah, that's why Jesus never said anything about do not defend people, don't defend yourself, don't defend your family. And he says a lot about don't take revenge and don't retaliate in anger. And I think there's a clear line mm-hmm. right there. So hopefully we answered questions hopefully we were clear about um our opinions on what it's, the scripture it's hard to here. find a very satisfactory answer because it all depends on you oh, and it yeah. depends on the situation yeah so that, it depends on uh, what your motives are but if you can with a clear conscience defend yourself yeah it's like that with or the defend law your too. family like you know? self-defense law is 
you would think it would be should be clear cut, but they they make it as clear cut as it can be. But every situation is so different that it is complicated. So yeah, that's so why you gotta take the principles and apply them to the situation. We are like way out of time now. Okay. Next time in our next episode, we'll talk about uh, slavery in the Bible. Yep. Does does God like slavery? Does he support it or? Is slavery a, a, a very very bad thing? Uh, because we do see slavery in the Bible. That does that mean that God is okay with slaves? And that's one of the big attacks of the Bible is that there are slaves in the Bible. Wow, did you hear that? I hear the tornado siren okay. going off, so I better close. Okay, until uh, we'll, the next time. See you guys. See you guys. Oh, get to the shelter.